This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fellowship Church via Facebook or YouTube. We're delighted that you can be with us here today. And praise God, we got a great message for you. And I hope you enjoyed the worship that we had this morning. Praise God. It's just always awesome to be able to lift up our voices, to magnify and lift up the name of Jesus. Praise God. So we thank you, or we thank God for the giftings that we have within the church that help us, praise God, to be able to enter into his very presence and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And praise God, he's coming back again. So we have this blessed hope that we can rejoice in. Glory to God. And again, we're just delighted that you can be with us uh, here this morning, praise God, to get into the Word of God, to find out the truth of God's Word, to allow the revelation knowledge of God to fill our hearts and our minds with an understanding so that we can walk in the light of the Word and enjoy the blessing of God that heaven has brought to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we get into the message this morning, though, I just want to take this opportunity to welcome all, or welcome and to honor all of the veterans that may be viewing uh, this broadcast here this morning. We just want to let you know how much we appreciate so very much what it is that you have done or perhaps are doing. We're grateful for each and every one of our veterans who have given of themselves their lives and sacrificed much in order for us to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we have as people within this country. And not only that, but for their families. So many of them have, you know, given up so much in order for their men and women to be able to serve in these various capacities. So we thank you again, and we honor you, and may this week be a very special week for you, because praise God, we're so thankful for what it is that you've done for us. So God bless you. If you would, please, I'd like to invite you to open the Bible with me, 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's where we're going to land here this morning. We're going to share a good word with you, and uh, I believe that you're really going to be blessed as a result of it. 1 Timothy and chapter 6. And if you would, please, what I'd like to do now, you understand this morning I'm allowing you to bring coffee into the sanctuary because you're in your living room or wherever, it's your, wherever you're at. But that doesn't normally happen, so you need to enjoy this as much as you can for the next two weeks because we'll be back in the saddle here at the church and you won't be able to do that. But I know you'll be blessed. But here's, here's something I want to exhort you with uh, before we begin communicating with you today. You know, God's Word is a living thing, and that means it's simply alive. It gives life to those who hear it. And so what I want to exhort you in this morning, I know you're there at home, you know, and there's perhaps a lot of distractions, different things that could be going on, but I really want you to center in on and prepare your heart and mind to receive here this morning, because I believe that there's, there's things that God wants to communicate to you in the context of this message that I'm sharing with you that will benefit you, that will bless your life, and not only your life, but the lives of family members and all the people that are around you. So when we pray, let's, let's be deliberate about uh, just centering and focusing in and preparing our heart to hear what it is that God has to say to us. And I believe that in doing that, you'll be very blessed. So let's pray. Father, we love you. So grateful for this privilege we have to come in the name of Jesus, to lift up our hands, to lift up our hearts and voices to you, Father. We thank you for the blessing of God that we enjoy within our lives because of what Jesus did in the giving of himself. And today, Father, as we come and approach the word of God, we do so with reverence and humility. We thank you that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to those that need it. And today, Father, we believe that we'll be taught the Word of God. And in that, Father, we'll learn. And not only that, but because of your living Word and because we choose to act upon it, that it will impact our lives in a very uh, positive and wonderful way. So, Father, I again thank you for ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe. And I thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. First Timothy chapter 6. Notice with me, if you would please, in the 6th chapter here in the 12th verse. 
The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, young Timothy, his protege, and he said in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life wherein two you have been called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who makes alive all things or quickens all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the only blessed and or who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Who only has immortality dwelling in light which no man can approach, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. You know, the reason I like that is, is because, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he mentions here in this 14th verse, uh, or 15th actually, that in his times he shall show who is the only, only and blessed potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I tell you what, that's truth right there, glory to God. But in the context of that, and Paul was encouraging young Timothy who, you know, had challenges just like all of us do. He was a leader there in the church at Ephesus, and he was dealing with all kinds of issues. And Paul exhorted him. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Glory to God. You know why? Because faith wins. Glory to God. And not only that, it's a fight, uh, fight worth, uh, yeah, it's a fight worth fighting. And so he told him to fight the good fight of faith. And, you know, when you think about the love of God, and when you think about what it is that he has done for you and I, I mean, you think about the fact that he sent Jesus as a ransom for us so that we could have life and life more abundant. Dear friend, I want to tell you that living for God, obeying God, serving God, believing God is the very least and the most honorable thing that you and I can do. But when we don't have faith toward God, when we, you know, believe something else, when we allow doubt and unbelief to enter in and choke the word, you know, it's such a disgrace to what it is that God has done. So I exhort you this morning, praise God, that you are a believer, you're a child of God. If you are, it, you have faith, praise God. And I want to elevate that faith in your life today, glory to God, so that you're both doing and saying the things that God says about your life and not what circumstances or other people may be dictating to you uh, where your life is concerned. So, you know, <clears throat> it's so important for us because he's worthy. And when, when we talk about the fight of faith, I'm talking about discovering, you know, there's lots of different definitions to what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And certainly that's true. But there are other ways that we could define faith is faith is acting on God's word. You know, and the way that we release our faith is through word and action. But here, let me give you another definition of what I'm talking about here this morning. When I talk about faith or the fighting, the good fight of faith, I'm talking about discovering the known will of God and choosing, listen, and choosing to conform and obey, praise God, our lives to his authority, glory to God. And I'm telling you, it's a privilege. It's such a privilege for us to be able to honor God with our lives and obey him and conform to what, what it is that he said. Why? Because his word is true. It's truth. And it's the truth that sets people free. But unfortunately, we allow lies, the lies of the enemy, the lies of the devil, you know, people, different things, you know, saying all kinds of things. You know, in the, in the New Testament, you know, uh, Paul, he warns us about this. He says, you know, that in the last days, people will give themselves over to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
In other words, human reasoning and all of the things that go on in people's lives in order to make things fit their narrative and what it is that they want to believe about this, that, or the other can very often creep into our lives and it can be so destructive. That's why God tells us constantly to keep our focus and our gaze upon what it is that he has said because it is truth. And the reality is, is that if you take your eyes off of it, you get to looking at other things like Peter, when he went to walk on the water to go to Jesus, the same thing can happen. Your life can start to sink. Well, God doesn't want us to sink. He wants us to rise. He wants us to be able, praise God, to enjoy his best. So again, it's a matter of knowing the will of God and then choosing. And that's important because the, the decision is yours. It's mine. It's nobody else's. You know, you can't say, well, they told me this or whatever the case might be. I mean, at the end of the day, you and I are the ones that are the deciding factors on the direction in which our life is going to go. God has given us an, a free moral agency to choose. Hallelujah. So we're going to choose life so that both we and our seed can live. Glory to God. Amen. And so we understand, you know, that we're choosing to conform and obey to uh, our lives to His ultimate authority. And as I said, it's a privilege. What a privilege. But here's th three things, you know, in the context of that, that we're doing when we obey God. We're conforming our lives and our behavior to the instruction we find in the Bible. You know, the Bible talks about put off the old man, put on the new. And then it describes the characteristics of the old man, and it, it describes the characteristics of the new. So we're conforming our lives and behavior to the instruction we find in the Bible. Secondly, we're confronting. Did you hear that? We're confronting the lies of the enemy with the truth that we find in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, you know, if you're, you know, people say, well, I just don't like confrontation, you know, I'm, I'm just not that, you know, I'm, I'm more passive or whatever. Well, listen to me, child of God. Listen, if you're going to live the life that Jesus came to give you, you're going to have to change that way of thinking within your life. Because the reality is, is you can't be in this world and not have to confront issues. And here's the thing about that is, is that it may not be a characteristic that you're accustomed to, but I'm telling you this much about it, the lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. And he can give you power, glory be to God, to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Bible tells us to resist him, praise God, stand fast, you know, to stay established in the truth, when those uh, assaults and those onslaughts come against us because, praise God, he wants to put us over. So we're conforming our lives. We're confronting the enemy with the truth. And number three, we're calling the world around us to the same hope that we have in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, if we'll put into practice these three things, to conform our lives, to confront the devil, the enemy, you know, where lies are, are, are concerned with the truth, and then also to call the world that is around us to this hope that we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, praise God. I mean, we'll be doing what it is that he's asked us to do. And guess what? That's a pleasing thing to our Heavenly Father. And, you know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. You know what? Faith can change your world. I mean, it can absolutely transform your life. This simple thing called faith. I mean, it is, you know, Peter referred to it as being precious. And oh, how precious it is. Because people that have it, I'm telling you what, their lives are different. You know, I know of people that were, you know, drug abusers and alcohol problems and controlled by all of this. And God supernaturally set them free as a result of the truth that they chose to believe and to act on and to walk in. I know people have suffered loss. They've suffered a lot of pain in their lives. And, you know, they were without God in the world and they found Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden their lives were absolutely transformed. Glory to God. You know, there's been people I know, you know, they're just, you know, living for themselves. So self-absorbed, so full of arrogance, so full of pride. And then they come to the end of themselves and they realize that without Christ, they're nothing. And all of a sudden, God you know, invades their life and brings change. See, faith 
can change your world. Hallelujah. And so if you'll believe that and trust God for it, I mean, you know, once where there was sin and death, listen, you know, where, you know, I mean, before we know Christ, there was nothing but sin and death, but then freedom and redemption is what replaces all of that. I mean, how, what kind of a price can you put on something like that? Not only that, but once where there was loss and defeat, praise God, there comes change and there comes victory for the believer, for the child of God. And not only that, but once where there was sadness, where there was pain, then all of a sudden there comes joy and there comes healing. I'm telling you what, we serve an amazing, amazing God. Hallelujah. But he needs our faith. He needs your faith. He needs you to be the one, praise God, that says, yes, I choose to believe what it is that God has said. You know, God, he, I mean, God's the God of restoration. He is the God of recovery. That's why he sent Jesus. He's seen the lawlessness and the sinfulness of man. And he sent Christ so that, praise God, you and I could be restored. You and I could, praise God, recover from this thing called sin and be able, glory to God, to magnify his name and to lift up the name of Jesus. But we have to do it his way. And guess what? We do that through a thing called faith because we believe, praise God. It takes faith. But I'm telling you what, faith, glory to God. As I said, it'll change your world. How many of you want your world changed? You can sure enough have it. You know, sometimes when it comes to faith, we have to just be honest with ourselves. Uh-oh, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we make excuses and we, you know, think this or that or the other. But I mean, at the end of the day, dear friend, you, you know, you, you're going to have to stand tall. You're going to have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, glory to God. And you're going to have to sometimes have to admit that maybe some of the things that you've been doing, some of the things you've been saying, some of the things that you've been believing need some adjustment and need some change. Glory to God. That's the way it works. Hallelujah. And so it's so important for us to understand that. You know, I mentioned Timothy in this uh, text that we had earlier. You know, he needed encouragement. You know, actually, both of the letters that Paul wrote to him, they were encouraging, you know, letters to help, you know, lift him up, to, to remind him of the truth, to be able to share with him, praise God, that, you know, a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ puts on what it is that's necessary and stays the course to hold the line of faith. Glory to God. And that's really what Paul was saying, man. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. It's true. It works. And God will see you through. Glory to God. And that's so true. You know, when Jesus was talking with his own disciples on one occasion, you know, <clears throat> he cursed the fig tree. Remember that story when he was coming from Bethany into Jerusalem? The next day it was withered and they, they pointed it out. And his, the first words out of Jesus' mouth was, have faith in God. In other words, he wants, he exhorts us to have this kind of faith. And you can have it. Glory to God. You know, like I said, it's a choice. You just say, you know what? I'm going to start believing God. I'm going to believe what it is that he said about my life. I'm going to believe about the things that are possible. God said that with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. I mean, if you could find it in the Bible, if there's a promise there, it belongs to you and you have every right, glory to God, to be able to shuck off all the anxiety, all the care, all the worry, all of the things, you know, that want to minimize our lives, that want to bring us to a standstill, the things that want to derail us and keep us from enjoying the life that Jesus came to give us. Faith is what causes a person to be able to enjoy the very things that heaven has to afford them. And so, child of God, I'm telling you what, you can believe God, and I guarantee you that God will show himself strong in your behalf. You know, one of the greatest enemies, really, when you think about it, one of the greatest enemies of faith, you know, enemies, is, is doubt and unbelief. You know, I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible that tell us that circumstances and situations came upon people, and they didn't pass the test. Now, you know, every one of us have been in that situation where, you know, we had an opportunity to believe God and it just didn't turn out very good. But, you know, you can commiserate over what happened in the past and how you failed, or you can say, you know what, let's let this be a life lesson and let's get this thing turned around and let's start looking at things a different way. 
because those are the things that happen. But they're enemies of faith, this thing called doubt and unbelief. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, For the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Hallelujah. And so, you know, this happens so often because um, we find ourselves in these situations, you know, and, and where the devil blinds the minds of people who don't believe so that the, the, the light of the gospel will not shine unto them. And so, you know, we end up in these situations and, and uh, we end up in trouble and, and then we have all kinds of problems. Uh, so it's so important for us to stay steadfast and connected to what the Bible has to say. Praise God for the word, amen, because it's one, it's the thing that sets the captive free. Glory to God, amen. You know, there's another uh, thing that Jesus said about the devil, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up to you is we're talking about the enemies of faith, you know, how doubt and unbelief can creep in. Well, you know, the God of this world, the devil, is the one who always is uh, trying to get people not to believe the Bible. Here's something Jesus said about him I think that's important for the child of God to know. He said he was talking to religious rulers. I mean, we're talking about people, you know, you think that are supposed to know God or are living for God or whatever the case might be. But, man, he called them out. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. I'm sure that went over really good. But you know, Jesus spoke the truth, didn't he? And so he said, you're of the, your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Isn't that exactly what happened with Cain and Abel? Huh? Because sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so Cain and Abel had this you know, deal, and Cain ended up taking his life. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. Hallelujah. He doesn't even know the truth. I mean, you know, we think about people sometimes, and we ask ourselves, how did they get where they are? Why is it that they think they had help? Because the God of this world has led them down a path, and they don't know the truth from anything. But he said, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own because he is a liar and the father of it. And then he goes on to say, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. See, there's a difference between truth and a lie. Everybody knows that. But yet right on the other hand, when it comes to judging our lives, when it comes to, you know, sifting or sorting through the things that are going on in our lives, that's why God keeps pointing us back to the Word of God, because God's Word is truth. That has to be the gold standard. It is the thing that we drive as a stake in the ground of our lives and say, this is what God said, and so I'm going to believe what He said, not what the devil says, not what people say, not what my circumstance says, whatever it is, you know. This is, this is the life of faith. And yes, it is a fight. And yes, you know, there's, there's a contest, if you want to call it that, that we are responsible to, to be involved in. But, you know, when you're fighting the good fight of faith, you need to know who your enemy is. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your, you know, the person you work for or whatever. You know, here's the thing about human nature. Human nature wants to blame somebody else for the problems that they have in their lives. We don't want to take responsibility. And I know people don't like it, but I'm telling you the truth about it. Until you stand up and decide, you know what? I'm going to start living my life honestly, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life. And I'm going to stop making excuses and blaming everybody else for all of my problems. And I guarantee you, my friend, that if you'll do that, God will show up and he'll begin to change the circumstances in your life, bring joy and happiness and peace back into your life because you've chosen to live your life in a way that is pleasing to him. Glory to God. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 and let's look at a verse of scripture here. Ephesians chapter 6, if you can find that opening in your Bibles. Hallelujah. Thank you again for being with us here this morning. Notice with me, if you would please, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Well, actually, let's start with verse 10. Paul's writing here. He says, finally, my brother, one more thing I'd like to share with you. He says, be 
What's that word? Strong. In who? The Lord. Not yourself. In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Sometimes when you're fighting the good fight of faith, everything looks like it's going sideways, not going your way. It's in those moments that we have to be strong in the Lord. Not ourselves. In the Lord and in the power, hallelujah, <laughs> of His might. Notice he goes on to say, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against your wife when she's giving you a hard time. No, no, it doesn't say that at all. It says that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Hallelujah. Because he's got them. And he'll tell you anything that he can come up with to try to deceive you ruin you and cause problems in your life. But thank God we are not ignorant of his devices. But he did say you got to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against that. Well, Paul, what, are, what is that armor? I mean, what is it that you'd have us to put on? Well, he goes on to first explain the simple fact that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual hosts or wickedness or hosts of wickedness in high or heavenly places. So in verse 13, he says, so because of that, put on or take, take. Everybody say take. Take, the, take it up. Put it on. You're the one that does it. No one else. Take up the whole armor of God so that you will be able to withstand in the evil day having done all the stand. Stand therefore. Hallelujah. I love that. In other words, God is encouraging you and I. Don't wilt. You know, don't concede. Don't cave. He said, stand therefore. Glory to God. And that's the fight of faith. You say, no, man, I ain't moving. Glory to God, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I know He has plans for me. They're good plans, and I will not relent. I will not give up. I will not concede to the devil and his lies and the enemy because it is not true. God provided blessing for my life, and I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to live it, and I'm going to enjoy it. So he says, take up, or verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Interesting, you know, to have, you know, the truth, the word of God about you and around you. And then he goes on to say, having on the breastplate of righteousness, he goes on to say, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, <laughs> hallelujah, take the shield of faith, glory to God taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is, again, the Word of God. Isn't that what Jesus did? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. When you get into situations where your life is concerned, don't, don't magnify the problem, you know, by consenting or, or agreeing, but rather praise God. Say what is written, glory to God. Let, let the world, the devil, and anybody else know that God is the one, praise God, who's come to put you over, and you agree with that. And then he goes on to say, finally, in verse 18, as part of this armor, praying always with all manner of prayer. So these are the things that Paul is admonishing the church there at Ephesus to do. Take unto you the whole armor of God so that you can stand in the evil day. I mean, when temptation comes or circumstances go the wrong way or whatever the case might be, praise God, you can just stay happy and full of joy because you know, glory to God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and that the devil is a liar and there's no truth in him. Hallelujah. And you can just stay happy. Now, a lot of folk won't understand that, but I tell you this much about it, it sure is nice to be able to enjoy the blessing of God because of a thing called faith. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And glory to God, you can do it. You know, uh, a lot of times when I was talking about, you know, knowing who your enemy is and people, you know, sometimes, I mean, I remember when we were first saved, you know, we had individuals that would stand in the pulpit and say there's no literal devil. Well, I, I guarantee you this much about it. You don't want to follow their leadership. 
because they don't know what they're talking about. They're just deceived. As a matter of fact, they got no business being in that pulpit. I mean, read your Bible. I mean, it's all over in the Word of God, and here they stand up and say there is none. You know, well, I got to tell you, there is. He's our enemy, and thank God he's a defeated foe because of Jesus. And glory to God, you and I have the privilege of being able to carry out that victory where our lives are concerned. And so, you know, but, but people get confused about this, you know, and, and they're troubled about, well, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe God, you know, is trying to, you know, show me something, teach me something, do something. You know, that's why he gave you the Bible. You know, that's why he gave you the Word. You don't have to have some calamity or catastrophe come your way in order to, quote, unquote, teach you something. Years ago, uh, I remember hearing a story about a guy who had a 20,000-seat tent. It would seat 20,000 people. And he would go out and do gospel crusades. And he was down in the state of Texas, I believe, at this time. And all of a sudden, there, they had a tornado or some twister came up and took that tent and blew that thing into kingdom come. And all of a sudden, it was ruined. It was destroyed. Well, the guy got up and talked about he didn't know whether it was God or not, you know, that had destroyed his tent. But I got news for you. You know, God is not going around, you know, destroying, you know, tents by a tornado. He's trying to put them up. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, you would have think that that'd be a pretty easy thing for them to be. Not here just recently, Franklin Graham was... Uh, um, shunned. He was rejected. He was, he was kept out of uh, the United Kingdom. They wouldn't let him go in there and preach. And so I'm just, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, maybe that just wasn't the will of God. Dude, it's the will of God for the gospel to preach all over the world. And you got to know that hell showed up to try to stop him from being able to proclaim the truth of God's word where these people's lives were concerned. And yet people get, you know, they get all mixed up and, you know, they don't understand the difference between the two. But let me just say, you know, whether it's accidents, sickness, uh, you know, death of loved ones prematurely, uh, could be storm, the storms of life, catastrophes, you know, earthquakes, whatever. God is not the author of such things. And that's just a fact. Hallelujah. Now, there are things that happen in people's lives, you know. I'll give you, uh, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they talk about these storms that come up, and even in the insurance policies, you'll see other acts of God. Listen, this ain't no act of God. When people's lives are being destroyed, their homes and different things of that nature, you think that's God? You think all these hurricanes coming up out of the south is God? I don't know how, I don't know how people think that way, and here's the reason why. You know, if in fact the storms that we see going on naturally that are causing such distraction or destruction with, you know, in people's lives. If that's true, then why was it that Jesus told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And while they were on their way, this great tempest, this storm came up and all of a sudden they were in peril and they were at a place of all nearly losing their lives. Jesus gets up in the bow of that boat, speaks to that storm and commands it to be still. And the Bible says there was a great calm. Now, if in fact God is the one that caused the storm, why is it that the Son of God stood up in the, in the front end of the boat and said no? So I think it's clear that we need to get our thinking straight about these things and understand you know, that God and the devil are not working in concert with one another. Are you listening to me? But, you know, again, until you get it settled in your own heart about these things, you know, you'll be all over the, well, you know, don't allow human reasoning to defeat you. Sometimes people come up with a lot of ideas because they're trying to find some reason for why it is that things go on in the world in which we live. Well, we live in a fallen world. There's no question about that. But also the Bible says that there is the God of this world. And he is the one who is bringing the destruction that is within the circumstances of our lives. So, you know, uh, you know, you got to determine the source. That's the best thing that I can tell you to do. You know, think, think with me about it. In other words, um, if you want to know the will of God, then what you need to do is look at what Jesus did in the gospel. Follow him. Because he said, I and my Father are one. So whatever we see him doing, that's the will of God. And if we see something contrary to or outside of that, then we know that the source 
is coming from somewhere else. Pretty simple. Here's a, you know, I mean, I've said this often, you know, uh, actually heard it from a minister years ago. He said, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And this minister just simply said, you know what you need to do is you need to draw a line right down through the center of your life. And whatever it is that's killing, stealing, and destroying, that's the devil. And whatever's causing life and life more abundant, guess what? That's God. And that's pretty simple, but it works. Hallelujah. So we can make a determination. You know, faith doesn't have to be that difficult. I mean, to tell you, you know, praise God. You know, if we just use some common sense, sometimes we could find out a lot. But faith stands strong in the face of contradictory circumstances because faith believes and knows the truth. And again, you know, when it comes to your life and mind, it all hinges on what we know to be true. Are you with me? You know, it's just like when you buy a piece of property, you know, you pay for it, you know, you spent your money and everything, you know, you've given the, uh, the price or whatever it is that's being asked of that. When it's all said and done and all the legal papers and everything are cared for, you know, they provide you with a deed. You have a deed in your hand that provides you with the evidence, you know, that that piece of property belongs to you. Well, what if somebody came up to you someday, you know, and they say, well, you know, that's not really yours. You say, well, get out of here, man. I'm telling you, it is mine. No, no, that's not yours. You know, my grandma and my grandpa, they had this and that and the other, and actually that belongs to me. Well, you know, you would resist that, wouldn't you? I mean, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't just roll over and say, well, you know, I guess you're probably right. No, you'd say, well, you know, if you really want to get right down to it, I've got a deed here in my safe. I can tell you, proof positive, legally, this property is mine. So, Whatever it is you got to say and whatever it is you think about this doesn't matter. The same thing's true in your life. I mean, praise God. God has given you a legal document called the Bible, the Word of God. And I tell you what, you can stand on it. You can bank on it. You can trust it. And that's not to say you're not going to get challenged. just like the uh, illustration that I described. But praise God, stand strong. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will be able to raise up a standard against whatever it is that's coming your way. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So <clears throat> you're always going to have people that are telling you different things like, you know, well, it can't be done. They'll say things like, you know, that's not for you. Or life will never change, so what's the use? Well, all of those are lies. They're all lies, every one of them. Life can change. It can be better for you, glory to God. You know, these things, you know, uh, can be done. You know, Paul said, oh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Believe the Bible, my friend. Come on. Let's, let's be people that believe. Glory to God. You know, I'd rather listen to somebody that's got something good to say than something bad. And faith always has a good report. Hallelujah. And so, praise God, we can be those people. But you know, when you have God's promises and stand in the face of, of opposition, whatever it might be, listen to me, I want to tell you something. I mean, I mean, God will move heaven and earth for you. I mean, He will come to your aid. When you've got His promises and you choose to stand, I mean, you think about the three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fire, the fiery furnace. I mean, they, chose, they had God's word on the deal, and they said, we're not, we're not moving. We're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. And guess what? God showed up. Jesus showed up in the midst of that fiery furnace where their lives were concerned. You know, when Daniel was, had the conspiracy, you know, that came against him, you know, they threw him in the lion's den. He spent the night in there. And then he got, they got all of his conspirators together the next morning. They threw them in there. Hallelujah. And guess what? They were breakfast. You know, so you have to understand that when you stand your ground, God will move whatever it is that needs to be moved in order for you to be able to enjoy. I trust you'll believe that with me this morning. Glory to God. You know, if you're standing in a situation of difficulty or challenge, God wants to get in the middle of that thing with you, but he needs this thing called faith. He needs for you to be able to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to stop believing the devil. I'm going to start believing God, and I am going to fight the good fight of faith because God. God is in my midst and he wants to do something incredible within my life. I, I wish you'd believe that. I trust that you'll, you'll go for it because 
It is true, and God wants the best for you. You know, here's, here's some examples. You know, a lot of times we have sickness and disease. We're in the middle of this deal here right now. You know, but I'm telling you what, sickness and disease is an enemy. It's not our friend. And I tell you this much about it, my friend. Praise God. When Jesus came, went to that cross, died, and was raised again by the glory of God, all of that ended up under our feet. I want to read some scriptures to you. It, you know, if you're suffering from some kind of illness, some kind of disease or whatever, let me give you the truth, listen, the truth that can set you free. I'll start with this one. Uh, Jeremiah 30 and verse 17. God himself said, for I will restore, listen, I will restore health unto you. That doesn't mean it doesn't come against you. But praise God, I'm telling you, God said, I will restore, I'll bring it back. Even though the symptoms come, glory to God, God wants us to stand against what it is that's coming our way. I will restore health unto you, glory to God. You know, so often people will say, well, you know, how come it come in the first place? Again, let me appeal to you that we have an adversary, the devil, and we live in a fallen world where all this mess is. It's not always going to be that way. I tell you what, when Jesus comes and sets up his eternal heavenly kingdom, it's all going to be gone. Hallelujah. But right now, God wants you and I to fight the good fight of faith. He said, I'll restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Believe that. Glory to God. Don't believe whatever it is that people are saying or the way you feel. Another place he said, and you shall serve the Lord your God. This is in Exodus chapter two, or 23. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. That is what God does. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in the land. The number of your days... I will fulfill. You know, in Psalm 91, verse 16, it says, For with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Hallelujah. You know, thou shalt guide me with your counsel and afterwards receive me into glory. Those are the things that God has for the believer, the child of God. And I trust you believe that. In another place, Matthew 8 and 16, when the evening was come, they brought to him Jesus Many that were possessed with devils, he cast out the spirit with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah in Isaiah 53 and verses 4 and 5, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Glory to God. Aren't you glad this morning he bore them so that we wouldn't have to? Glory to God. He took our place. And then in Psalm 107 verse 20, it says, he sent his word, hallelujah, and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What do you mean by that? He sends his word. He sends his promise. He sends these things. He said, I will heal you or restore to you your health. Those are God's promises. That's what he does. He sends his word, and then wherever it creates or, or uh, causes faith to rise up, then he does something in that situation. Hallelujah. So those are some verses you can, you know, let's talk about failure. Now, I'll just move from sickness and disease. Let's just talk about failure. Like I said earlier in the message, you know, all of us, we... <laughs> oh, we've come up short. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it works. But thank God, failure is not fatal. You know, sometimes we, we, we miss the mark. We miss it. I mean, everybody does. But thank God there's mercy, there's forgiveness with God, and we can pick everything back up again and we can move on. I'm telling you what, God restores. He wants to redeem. He wants to be able to cause your life to be blessed. Hallelujah. Believe that. Praise God. Just choose to believe it. Why? Because it's in the Bible. He said, I will redeem you. Glory to God. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so there's lots of verses in the scriptures that can help us in that. But you know, <clears throat> a lot of times people, you know, they end up having a failing in their life or failure in their life. And they, you know, they'll say, well, you, you know, they'll have this thought, you know, you might as well give up. You might as well, you know, uh, give up because you're never, ever going to amount to anything. Well, that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And you might be sitting there right now on your couch thinking those very things. But I'm telling you right now, what you're thinking is not true. 
Why? Because the Bible says that God will restore everything back to you if you'll trust him and believe him. He's able to redeem you. So here's some scriptures that will help you when it comes to this matter of failing. First one is in Isaiah 41 and verse 10. It says, fear not. Hallelujah. I like that. Fear thou not. For I am with you, glory to God. Be not dismayed or discouraged. You know, discouragement is such a weapon of the devil. It's such a weapon of the enemy to try to get you to quit and give up, lose heart, faint, you know, so on and so forth. He says, he says fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Hallelujah. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Guess what? That does not sound like a promise in order to help you fail, but rather to help you succeed. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I tell you what, you just read it and get blessed. And you know, Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, this is what God said, not what Pastor Mike said or some other person, but what God said. He said, it shall come to pass. Say that with me. It shall come come to pass. In other words, you know, it doesn't always happen immediately, but I'm telling you what, when you start obeying God's word, it starts things, it sets things in motion for you to be able to be blessed. So it says here, it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God or the word of God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day that the Lord, woo, come on, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake you if you will hearken or listen or obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket, thy store. Blessed shall, be, uh, blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. The Lord, now listen to this. This is where I wanted to get to. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your faith. They shall come out against thee one way, flee before thee seven. The Lord shall command uh, the blessing upon thee in your storehouses, and all that you set your hand unto, he will bless thee in the land which the Lord gives to you. Notice this, and the Lord, not just anybody, but the Lord himself will make you the head and not the tail. Yeah, you may have been the tail, but thank God he's going to make you the head. You may have done some bonehead things, you know, that caused problems so that you could be representative of the tail. But listen, God wants to make you the head. And if you'll believe him, if you'll trust him, glory to God, he'll put you over in life. He said, I'll make you the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only and not beneath. Glory to God. If you hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe. In other words, if you and I will just start doing the word of God, God's going to, he's going to start doing some things. He's going to start putting things in motion to bring about, it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. So we take whatever doesn't represent the word of God that's not true, things that, you know, that are contrary to the Bible, and we start getting them out of our lives. We start stopping doing this and that and the other. When I got saved, God started dealing with me about cleaning my life up, you know, because the things that I was involved in, they were killing, stealing, and destroying. But Jesus came to give me life. So he said, you want life? This is what you need to do. You know, and, and, and for some of those things, it was a pretty simple kind of thing because I'd been through so much hell, I had already realized that none of that stuff was providing for me what it is that God wanted in my life. So it was kind of easy to shuck it off. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when you've been beat bloody by sin and wrongdoing, I mean, it's pretty easy to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Hallelujah. And hopefully that's the case. Praise God for you as well. Here's another verse of Scripture. The Bible says that you and I are the workmanship of, of God in Christ Jesus. Come on now. Isn't that good? We're the workmanship of God created in Christ for good works, which God has before ordained that you and I should walk in those things. You may not be walking in them right now, but I tell you what, praise God, you sure can. You know, God, you know, he made you who you are. He said, you are his workmanship 
as, it, as having been created in Christ. And God doesn't make no junk. Hallelujah. Everything that God does, He does good. And so I want you to know, praise God, even though you maybe have had some challenges, maybe you've had some failings, guess what? Today, on the eighth day of November, your whole life can turn around. If you'll just take that verse of Scripture and say, you know what? I'm going to believe that. I'm going to walk in the light of it. And I'm going to stop thinking negatively about my life. And I'm going to start believing the promises that are found in the Word of God. And then finally, you know, I love this Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. It says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold all things. Behold, 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 behold. Behold, all things are new. Yes, maybe you've made some uh, bad choices. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. Maybe you've done some things that you shouldn't have done. But I'm telling you what, my friend, God wants to redeem and restore whatever it is that you've lost in those circumstances and cause your life to be victorious. Because I'll tell you this much about it, dear friend, there is no defeat in God only victory, and he wants you to enjoy it. So praise God. You know, <clears throat> faith is the thing that's going to bring us into the land of promise. I want to just share briefly in closing with you because I know we've been going here for a while. But, you know, I, I think about Israel all the time. And, you know, the, the, the Bible says that those things that happen to them are, are written uh, for our example upon whom the ends of the world have come. And they're written for our admonition. In other words, it's a warning. In other words, it's saying, here's what happened because of disobedience or this or that or the other. And, and so we have this record, and what we need to do is we need to learn from it. And, and Moses sent these 12 men out to spy out the land. The Bible you know, says, you're familiar with it. They came back, and the Bible says that 10 of them said, we can't do it. And, and the Bible says that they brought up an evil report, and um, 10 of them. Now, Josh and Caleb said, hey, man, we're well able. Let's get after it. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we, we are smaller than they, but I mean, if God's for us, then praise God, who can be against us? He'll give us a victory. Well, unfortunately, the whole uh, generation of that nation ended up dying in the wilderness. They never entered into uh, God's promise for their life. If you would, just quickly look with me in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, I know that we've been going for a while, but I want to share this with you because I think it'll help you and complement what it is that we've been talking about when the Bible admonishes you and I to fight the good fight of faith. In other words, we don't want to be like the 10 and the rest of that generation who ended up dying in the wilderness. We want to be like the two that said, hey, we can do this. Glory to God. And so notice with me, if you would here real quickly. Uh, um. Notice it says, um, uh, well, in verse 30, Caleb stilled the people and before Moses and said, let us go up at once, hallelujah, I like that, and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, they were looking at the same thing the rest of them were, but yet right on the other hand, they said, let's get after it right now we're able. Possess it. You know, some of these things, dear friend, you have to possess. It takes courage. It takes boldness. You know, it takes tenacity. It takes endurance. But I tell you what, praise God, you just have to set uh, a stake in the ground and say, I'm not moving. Glory to God. God has a promise for me and I'm going to have it. Now, notice what they went on to say. They rebutted what it is that Caleb said in 31, but the men that went with him said, we're not able. We can't, we can't go up there. Are you out of your mind? We can't do this. Doesn't that sound just like the devil? We can't, we can't, we can't. He said, we're not able to go up against this people. They're stronger than we are. Sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with alcohol, you're dealing with drug addictions, you got some kind of thing going on in your life, and you say, I just can't get loose. Listen to me. I'm telling you, that's not true. It may look that way. It, you may feel like that. But I'm telling you what, praise God, God's power is greater and bigger and stronger than anything that you may face as an individual that's bringing destruction to your lives. And then notice in verse 32, it says, and then they brought up an evil report. Huh? Well, what, what's an evil report? It's a, it's a report of doubt and unbelief. They said, we can't do it. You know, they're bigger than we, they're stronger than us, you know. 
And they went on to say, the land through which we have gone to search it, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw are great, men of great stature. We saw the giants, the sons of Anak, that come of the giants. And we were, and this, this, tell, this is pretty telling. It says right here, and we were in our own sight like grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, the challenges that we face in life can be pretty overwhelming. Um, they can loom large. They can seem like a real giant. But I tell you what, praise God, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I can tell you this much about it, dear friend. God wants to put you over in life. And so it's important. I was, I was uh, thinking about this in some of my own personal studies and, and just my own devotional life. And I want to I just read it to you in closing and see if this resonates with you. Uh, this happened, uh, would have been uh, on the 6th. So that would have been what, Thursday? Uh, maybe Friday. It says, God wants so desperately to help people. That's why he sent Jesus. In Israel's history, and they were God's chosen people, just like you are if you're a child of God, God sent a deliverer. God sent Moses to deliver them. God sent Jesus to deliver you. But they, they never really experienced, obtained, or realized what it was or what it is that God had promised or that he said he would do because of doubt and unbelief. Dear friend, there are a lot of believers, Christians. I mean, you know, they love Jesus and Jesus loves them, but they're not going to walk in the victory that Jesus came to give them if they don't believe. They'll end up in the same place as the nation of Israel. The same is true under the new covenant. Doubt and unbelief keeps people from enjoying God's best in their lives. And consequently, they wander around in the wilderness of their lives until it's either too late or they die without remedy. God told Moses, I've come down to lift them up. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus fulfilled all the righteous requirements for us to be free, to be delivered, to, to, and experience God's best. Now it's up to us to believe what has been promised and walk in the light of it. With God, nothing is impossible. With Israel, there was this reoccurring problem, and it, it's so true. I mean, from day one, they said, leave us alone. You know, we'd be better off just staying here. You're, you're not going to be better off staying in the sin or the mess or the problems or the, or the slavery of whatever it is that's going on. You're not going to be better off there, praise God. You need to get up and walk away. You need to get up and be strong. And so, you know, with Israel, there was just this reoccurring thing. You see it throughout their, their, their experience with God. And whenever they got into trouble, they either blamed God or they blamed the leadership for their problems. It's a characteristic of the sin nature. Blame somebody else. That's what Adam did and all of the rest. But if you look, it was a reoccurring problem within their behavior and their belief. Would to God, you had just left us in Egypt. It's your fault. Doesn't that just sound like the devil? God delivered them out of Egypt, but he was unable to get Egypt out of them. He certainly did try. In one place in the scriptures, if you read on, you'll find out he said, you've tempted me 10 times. I've showed you all of these things. And so I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth and you're going to end up dying in the wilderness, just like you said. Listen, dear friend, be careful about what you say. I, I tell you, if you can't say, say anything, don't say anything at all. But if you're going to say something, say what the Word of God says. Say what God says about you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It goes on then in this journal that I wrote here. They brought up an evil report. It was a report of doubt and unbelief. How often do we see this happening in the lives of believers today? When it comes to health concerns, financial needs, trouble, relationships, concerns about their future, worry, anxiety, care, these things dominate people's behavior, their speech, and their thought life. Doubt and unbelief are without question the thief or the thieves 
of God's greater blessing. And in the majority of people's lives, that happens. I'm talking about Christians. You know, they get beat. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for the Word of faith, because you don't have to lose. It goes on to say, here's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. It says, if you will not believe, you will not be established. So you have to learn, and I'm closing here, you have to learn to fight the good fight of faith. And real faith is not just a, you know, I kind of hope it works, works out. No, real faith lives with conviction, knowing that what God has said is true and you can count on it. The disconnect is when people don't heed the instruction that God gave Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, which we don't have time uh, to go through, uh, one, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And then he says, you ha- so you have to learn to fight the good fight of faith, and you have to learn to live with a consciousness toward God. Hallelujah. You know, when trouble comes your way, you just say, well, what would God say about that? You know? And, 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 and when we do that, so, so let me ask you, here's an important question. What are, you, what are you most conscious of? Are you continually worrying, thinking about the bad things and the wrong things, whatever, you know, uh, that might be coming your way, problems, troubles, difficulties, uh, you know, different things of that nature? Uh, what do you think about? What, what, what are you most conscious of? And then, <clears throat> but, but then there's another group of people, Joshua. Uh, well, actually, let's start with Joseph. You know, when he was propositioned by Potiphar's wife, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't say sin against you or sin against Potiphar. He was God conscious. He said, how can I do this and sin against God? Are you listening to me? And the same thing's true with Jehoshaphat. I wanted to use him, you know, as an example. He says, you know, one time he was going to go into a, a, a battle with, uh, I believe it was Asa, if I remember correctly, and Asa was a bad king. Jehoshaphat was a good one. And, but they had an alliance. I think it was probably through marriage or whatever. And he said, well, let's inquire of the Lord. In other words, he was kind of, he said, before we do this, let's ask God about it. So he brings his false prophets in there. And immediately, you know, Joshua, he just says, no. He's seen right away, this is, a, this is not good. He says, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we can inquire of? Nasa says, yeah, there's one down here, but, but the cat always prophesies bad, and I don't like to listen to him. Well, <laughs> truth's truth wherever you find it, huh? And so anyway, uh, he says, well, I'm not going anywhere till we hear from him. And he basically said, you go down there, and you're going to get in some real trouble. What's my point to this? In other words, before we respond to something or react, maybe is a better way, and before we react to something, maybe we just ask ourselves, you know, God, what do you say about this? Hallelujah. Let's get his word on it, and let's believe that, and let's walk in the light of that. Praise God. Let's fight the good fight of faith, because when we do, glory to God, we'll be blessed. So, you know, God wants to turn your situation around, and he does it with a thing called faith. And I trust, praise God, today you'll take some of the things that I've shared with you, use them for your benefit. Let's stop believing the lies, and let's begin to believe God's promises that he's made about our lives, all right? Because, you know, for example, your kids are going to make it. And stop telling them they're not. Stop telling yourself, oh, my kids are crazy. I don't, you know. Your kids are not crazy. What they need is they need help from you to be able to believe in them, praise God, and hold them before the Lord. Because, praise God, if you'll do it, it'll turn out right. Not only that, God will provide for the needs of your home. You know, he shed his blood, he gave his life so that you would be able to have faith in him and enjoy the blessing of God. So what I want you to do right now, we're going to pray, and I want you just to I want you to commit this to your heart, but not only that, if there's an area in your life where you recognize, man, I ain't been doing real good there. I got to get that change. Praise God. Now's the time to do it. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for all the precious people listening to this broadcast. And God, I thank you right now for speaking to each and every one of their lives. The things, Father, that you quickened or that you've made alive on the inside of them about their lives, Father, may they make the decision right now Father, to bring about a change in their thinking and in their believing and in their behavior or their action. Say this, pray this prayer with me, everyone listening here today. Say this, Dear Heavenly Father, I choose life. And I ask you today to help me to be a doer 
of the Word of God and not a hearer only. I choose your way to go in the path that you have called me to. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, I tell you what, if you prayed that prayer and you believe in what it is that you just got done saying, you're on a new direction for the kingdom of God to be advanced within your life. And I trust it will be a blessing to you. You know, we're going to go ahead and um, receive our offering. I mean, there's nobody here in the sanctuary, but we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God. You know, it's so important for us, praise God, to be obedient in this regard because, you know, God wants to bring his blessing into our lives and he does it because we trust him and we believe in him. So again, I want to thank you in advance. I can't do it personally today or maybe next week, but we'll get back into that, you know, uh, the following week. I believe that's on the 22nd. Uh, that we'll be reunited again because we'll have gone through this uh, thing that we have to. But if you're giving, you can always text to give. Many of you are very familiar with that. There's instructions on the screen for you to be able to text. And then also, if you would rather, you can always go to myfc, myfc.info and um, you can click on the giving tab and that will help you to be able to participate in that way as well. So we just want to thank you. And as a matter of fact, if you would, please just let me pray with you, and bless this offering that you are sending to us here today. Say, um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for these precious people in their giving. Thank you, Father, for generosity that they have uh, provided, Father God, in helping to advance the kingdom of God. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the church family. And Father, I now just invoke your blessing upon their lives. And I thank you, Father, for every need being met and every bill being paid in every home, that they have an abundance and no lack, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Well, listen, we'll look forward to seeing you again this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Please join in with us uh, for that broadcast as well. And then next Sunday morning, we'll be doing the same thing. And then we will have fulfilled the requirements that we have. And then we'll be able to get back and have church together again. So God bless you. Have an incredible week. And we look forward to seeing you real soon.